Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. My guest today is Christy Weiskill. Christy is pretty much in charge of all things related to innovation and entrepreneurship at Johns Hopkins University. Uh, she is a rock star. She is known throughout uh, innovation officers at universities across the country, in Baltimore, where she was just named one of the 10 most important people in, in business in that city. And we talk about her successes running these various programs at Hopkins. She got venture capital funding of Hopkins spinouts to go from $20 million dollars a year to 200 million dollars a year we talk about student entrepreneurship about getting all of this incredible innovation that's uh, in research labs to into the real world uh, so that it can uh, make a difference in people's lives it was an incredible conversation for me uh, and i hope you enjoy listening to it christy weiskill thanks so much for joining me today happy to be here Christy, uh, let's say I'm an entrepreneur looking to start the next really important company. I see all the innovation and, and scientific research that's happening at Johns Hopkins. What do I do next? How do I get introduced to the scientists, see the labs, know what's a good fit for me? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, we are delighted when outside entrepreneurs come and help us think through how to bring things to market. That's really the goal of, of places like Johns Hopkins, and I think really is university applicable to research universities like ours, whether it's us or a Columbia or a Chicago or a Stanford or an MIT. And that is that we want, we crave the outside business person to come and connect with us. And so first, the first thing I would say is we have an open door and we encourage you to come by. As you said, there is just unlimited potential in terms of great ideas at a place like Johns Hopkins coming out of the labs. In fact, we have over 500 invention disclosures per year. We have over 2,000 active patents, um, and those range from anything in uh, the robotic sector to and through the biotech space. And so a lot of really exciting things happen. What I would say is that that entrepreneur can Find us a number of ways. We're physically located in Baltimore. We have a couple of different locations near our campuses at innovation hubs called Fast Forward. And so you can come and find us. We do lots of programming and events that are open to all. And so come to one of our events. Um, we also have our entire team listed on the website from me to and through the folks that actually do the licenses. If someone's interested in a specific type of license, we have a website where you can actually type in your interests and it will populate with the technology that we have and, and the patents that, uh, that we have for a particular technology. So again, a number of ways, whether it's searching something specific, coming to an event, or just introducing yourself to us, we, uh, we welcome that. So I, Johns Hopkins is a leader in innovation. If I'm that entrepreneur looking for something to commercialize, I would salivate over all that stuff that's happening in your labs. And I agree with your comment that there's unlimited potential. How do we as a society or how do you in your capacity as running all of this at Hopkins optimize that? What, what can we do to take it from where it is to, to capture fully that potential? Sure. You know, I think uh, there are a few things. The vast majority of the ideas, whether they're from our faculty labs or, or even from our students, are quite early. And so there are a couple of things, like any good startup or idea, that are required, and that certainly goes for the technology um, at Johns Hopkins. The first of which is some sort of team to run with that. I, the faculty often have the domain expertise, 
but they often need to partner with someone in business to really optimize the market opportunity. And so I think the first thing that's needed is really the outside business perspective. The second thing that's needed is generally capital in some form. Sometimes that's grants that come from various philanthropic money that we've raised. The state of Maryland does a really beautiful job um, supporting entrepreneurship and have a number of ways to get grant funding to get a prototype or an MVP or you know, what uh, to the point where something can become investable. And then, of course, small bits of capital are needed at the beginning of, of these pieces, too. So I think those are what we really need is people that understand and have the patience to work with early stage technology um, and that can go about finding and being resourceful with how to how to build from there. One of the challenges, sometimes at least, uh, with taking a technology out of a university lab and commercializing it is the tech transfer office and is sort of getting ownership of the intellectual property. Do you think that is a genuine concern? Is it a sort of an old fashioned view and things are getting better? How should we think about the challenges there? Sure. Yeah. No, I think that's, uh, that is a common concern. Um, I think though that the, the tech transfer industry in general is evolving. And I think it's evolving towards being much more of a service-minded industry and a customer-focused function. So certainly the folks in our group, we do serve faculty. We absolutely are staffing and helping faculty thinking through their ideas and what to patent. But we have another very important customer, and that is the outside world, whether that's a corporate uh, licensee or investor, whether that's a venture investor, an outside entrepreneur. And we're very aware of, um, of the customer and really do, at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is have impact with these ideas. And the more, um, the, the sooner we can get it to market in a real product form, the more impact we will have. So it's really in the best interest of any tech transfer office to be reasonable with terms um, and to have really responsive uh, turnaround times for these outside investors and corporate friends, because that will really allow us to, to move things along. When it comes to spinning technology out into startups, are there standard terms? In our world, we have safe notes and we've got you know series seed docs and a number of other really template forms that have simplified um, early stage finance. I'm curious if there's anything like that uh, at Hopkins, and, and if so, what does it look like? Yes and no. And uh, the reason that I say that is that technology can be spun out at all different stages. And as you might imagine, Dan, the last thing you want to do is give the same terms for something that is the, the earliest stage uh, biomarker that may or may not become a drug versus a piece of software that already has customer uptake. Those are very different animals. I think that any investor w group would acknowledge that they ought to have very different economic terms around them. I, I, have a, I have a good friend in town, an angel investor in town, who likes to say that working, getting a license from a tech transfer office like Hopkins should be as easy as getting an apartment lease. If you think about it, when you go to sign a lease for an apartment, you have your check in your hand, you're ready to put the security deposit down, you're ready to, to take the piece of property. And in some ways, that is how we should view the, the transaction. Someone has a check, they're ready to go, they wanna do it. And, and so really the, the primary variable, we do try to stay fairly standard with the language and what's required from the licensee. Things that tend to vary are the financial terms, just simply based on stage of technology. But for most stages of technology, it's within certain buckets. And so it's fairly straightforward and fairly standard. But it just, 
there, it's not exactly a one-size-fits-all. Are those terms typically percent ownership of company, percent of revenue going forward, some combination, something else? And here, I guess I'm particularly thinking about the life sciences, which is your background and also a particular area of strength for Hopkins. Yes, all of those, I would say the, the licensing agreements usually do uh, for a startup spun out of our university, we, we usually take an equity position. There are usually uh, part of the terms include royalties. So yes, a percent of revenue, which for the life sciences companies is often well down the road. There are annual milestones. And we also require, you know, we, uh, we spend quite a bit of money each year, about eight and a half million dollars a year on patent expense at Johns Hopkins, paying essentially outside patent firms to help us file these, uh, these valuable patents. And so one of the things we ask for that is fairly standard is to be reimbursed for those patent expenses. And sometimes those can run, you know, $100,000 or more on day one. Let's turn for a moment to uh, student entrepreneurship. I'm curious to what degree you think that is good, good education generally. Hey, it's good to get exposed to chemistry and economics and, and literature, and, and let's add entrepreneurship to that. And to what degree is your focus sort of on the other side of the spectrum Let's uh, help the next Bill Gates start the next Microsoft. Absolutely, Dan. I am, I am such a believer in this as a learning tool. If you think about the type of student that attends an institution like a Johns Hopkins, but really any, uh, you know, any four-year university, you know, there is a certain amount of experiential learning that can occur that I think is highly valuable. And when you look at how motivated our students are and how brilliant and they're, they're out to change the world. We want to help them uh, do that. We want to help them have that impact. And it's likely that at some point in their life, they will start something. Maybe it will be a charter school. Maybe it will be a political campaign. Maybe it will be a not-for-profit. Maybe it will be a business. But at some point in their life, they're going to need to likely need to know how to build a team, how to raise money, how to write a business plan, how to think and problem solve and ideate and all these wonderful tools that you learn when you think about entrepreneurship. And so our slogan has really become for students from the curious to the committed. And by that, we just mean you don't have to have an idea for the next Facebook to be part of this ecosystem. Come to a pizza and pitch night. Come find out what's going on. We're about to open 10,000 square feet of student space in the Remington neighborhood of Baltimore. That's right by our, um, our Homewood campus. And we're thrilled that is a space dedicated to student entrepreneurship. Um, in fact, we recently had Alexis Ohanian come and speak at Johns Hopkins. Several hundred students came out to hear his talk. It was incredibly entertaining. He was very gracious, stayed and signed books until the wee hours. And, you know, I think, um, I just think there is so much to gain from thinking about that as an extension of your education, but also just a really important life skill. So just for those folks who might not know, Alexis Ohanian is the, the founder of Reddit and, and the husband of Serena Williams. And I guess the question then is, if you are successful in student entrepreneurship, does that mean you end up marrying a sports superstar? Is that, is that, the, uh, is that the general pathway in your experience? Well, it's funny that you say, so the very first question, he opened it up for, uh, for Q&A. And the very first question was, of course, about Serena. And he loved that. He just ate it up. He was, again, he was such a, a gracious host. But yes, you know, I, I think the... Um, Ultimately, will we have the next Mark Zuckerberg, the next Bill Gates, the next great student who, while they're a student, founds a company? Look, that would be gravy. I mean, that we, we want to be there for that person. But I think at the end of the day, this is much more about the learning process. And if we can 
also, um, as a byproduct, help students build real companies, particularly here in Baltimore, to build our ecosystem, we're, we would, we're just delighted. Curious if you have a view on different types of startups, and, and I think in, partic- in particular, given Hopkins Strength and Life Sciences and your background there, I think there's, there's often a, a view that, you know what, if you can cure cancer or, or you know, help with any, any of the myriad diseases out there, um, that's a really important calling. And that may be a little different than the next sort of social media app. And, and, and I think in particular, there are a lot of, there's a lot of that kind of thing among student entrepreneurs. Oh, I, I came up with an app to help me meet my friends you know, more easily or something like that. Do you have a view there? Do you try to steer students in, in one direction or, or another? It's, it's a great question and one that I've thought a lot about primarily because I do feel like, especially in the Baltimore ecosystem, and this is the, the students through the most senior faculty member, I do feel like that the problems we're tackling with our startups, the great unmet needs, are truly things that will make society better, not just things that will get my 13-year-old further addicted to electronic devices, right? So we're, we may not have the next Fortnite um, or the next Snapchat. And you know, God bless the folks that made that. I, I read somewhere that just last month, Fortnite, by the way, it's a free app. All the all the revenue comes from you know buying these dances and, and these silly things. Just last month, Fortnite did 296 million. So great, I, you know that's great. I'm I'm glad they did that. But you know, is that really making the world a better place? And I think what we're seeing, not only from our faculty, but but in droves from our students, is the types of companies they are starting are truly game changing. Um, you know, I'm thinking about we have a company focused on digital pathology and, and using AI to better read when you get all different types of scans from a radiologist. I mean, just absolutely brilliant. I'm thinking about robotic technologies that are used to do surgery better. You know, I'm thinking about our social innovation lab teams that are working with folks to uh, bring vision care to communities that don't have it. So, you know, I I really, um, it's not with really any insistence or coaching from us. We're really sort of there where where the teams are, but what the ideas that they're coming forth I believe are truly socially impactful in a very positive way. And I'm proud that the Baltimore ecosystem is really taking the high road. You've named a handful of companies there that have really compelling products or visions. I'm curious, what gets you excited at the personal level about the entrepreneurs that, that you deal with? Are there any characteristics, either among the students or among the older folks who come in and might commercialize Hopkins technology? You know, what, what are those personality traits or things that you might see in individuals that say that that's someone who's really special and make particularly sure that all the resources here are unlocked for that individual? Sure, sure. I mean, there are many, but I think if, if you had to, if you asked me for one particular character trait that I think separates good from great or likely to succeed versus likely to flail, that is really coachability. So I think the idea that one can take feedback, take it well, want to improve, always looking for mentorship, you know, is looking to get better, is not daunted by the challenges ahead of them. They take everything as a learning experience. They don't assume they know everything. You know, I think those are all from what I've seen. And then, you know, the flip side of that just doesn't tend to work out as well. And so that's, you know, that's one thing that, that we really try to look for. And when we see that person, you know, uh, we embrace them and then uh, they're, they're generally off to the races. We, we can coach them, but in general, they're already almost halfway where they need to be. 
Christy, how do you measure the success of, of all your efforts? Sure. Yeah, there are a number of metrics that we track very closely. Uh, one is our licensing revenue. So that's the um, for the patents we've licensed, what's delivering back in terms of those milestones and royalties and equity positions we talked about. Um, another is the type of corporate deals that we do. So a, a big part of our work is the corporate facing function. And so the corporate deals that we're able to ink and, and get that sponsored research money back into our uh, into our labs to make products. Um, and the third that's probably most relevant to the external entrepreneur that uh, that we track very closely is venture dollars raised by companies that are spun out of Johns Hopkins. And I'll, I'll give you a I just did a presentation this week for some folks on our board, and so I, I have the numbers at the tip of my tongue. Before we, we started this holistic approach a few years ago, Johns Hopkins Technology Ventures, we put these pieces together with Startup Incubation, the Tech Transfer Office, and our corporate partnership group. The average amount, um, again, before this was created, the 10 years prior to that, on average, about every year our companies would raise, oh, I don't know, $40 million or so. That's all the companies combined would raise $40 million. And if you fast forward to today, the last four years, on average, our companies have raised over 200 million of venture capital and aggregate. And so it's a, a meaningful change, a meaningful step up in terms of the amount of venture dollars that we've been able to attract. And so we closely watch and really nurture those venture relationships so that our companies are, are able to grow. And then the final statistic that is very important to me personally, I care deeply about what we're trying to build here in Baltimore, is how much of that money stays in Baltimore Historically, only about 20% of that capital and companies ended up staying in region. And what we're seeing in these last two years with these boluses of uh, venture dollars is more than 50% of that capital has stayed. And so, again, meaningful change in, in both of those metrics that we're following closely. That's a, a big change. It's a, lo a lot of success there. To what do you attribute it? Well, it's the, we have an incredible team. Um, we have folks that have worked in industry and in science and in finance, and they have built companies. And I mean, it's just it's a it's a fabulous team that is sophisticated and thoughtful and responsive. I think the one position in particular that has driven a lot of the venture dollar change is that we actually have a dedicated professional on our fast forward team that calls on the venture industry and connects with them and invites them down and asks them what they're interested in and then goes and finds out what we have at Johns Hopkins in those area of areas of interest. And so that has been quite impactful, although we don't have a lot of local venture capital firms, when firms do take the time and, and see what we have, because our researchers are so prolific, we have a very high hit rate in terms of, of having those investors take a serious look and, and ultimately invest. And so I think being having a very intentional and strategic vision for how you're going to approach the venture industry, I, I think that has paid off for us. If you had unlimited resources, what would you do to supercharge your programs? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, we've we've been very lucky that we've been able to raise philanthropic dollars. The schools and the university at Johns Hopkins have been wildly supportive, and so we have a fair number of resources and are so uh, grateful. The most recent gift that we got went to exactly to your question, you know, what is it that we really need? And, and that is translational funding or this early stage funding that I mentioned where you've got an idea, but in order for it to be investable, in order, in order for it to really be 
uh, a startup company or something that industry will license, there is a gap. It's classically known as the valley of death. And addressing that head on and providing grant funding for that and ways that faculty can move where the, the federal grant dollars stop and where the investor begins, that is a critical need. And so we are always looking for creative ways to address that and raise money for that. But, you know, I think I think we would just, with unlimited resources, continue to build out what we know is working, which is entrepreneurship training, which is this investor engagement model, which is focused on business savvy and, and where the market is and where the market is going and, and just being really aware. Christy, what companies are you particularly excited about these days? One or two? Sure, coming out of Johns Hopkins? I, I would imagine that those would be the ones you'd identify. <laughs> Sure. Um, God, goodness, we have so many. I mean, one of our early success stories that is doing quite well, and I, you know, I think ultimately will be a big win for patients and for the city and, and for Johns Hopkins, is a company called Personal Genome Diagnostics, PGDX. They're based down in the Canton neighborhood in Baltimore. For those of you that are familiar, that's right on the waterfront. And they have just raised significant venture capital by a high-caliber firm, New Enterprise Associates, NEA. They have a very savvy uh, leadership team. And two years ago, they had uh, something like 50 employees, and they have just hired their 250th employee. And you know, this company is addressing the great unmet need around some cancer diagnostics, especially given the new therapies coming out, to really understand the disease, tumor type, et cetera, um, and doing very creative things that comes out of one of our just incredibly prolific labs here at Johns Hopkins. And so that company in particular, there's another uh, fabulous medical device company called Sonavex that is providing a better way when you do various types of surgery to have great visibility during and after that surgery. That company actually just got FDA approval this week, which is huge. It is. Um, that's, you know, it doesn't happen every day. And so huge crowd, uh, shout out to Sonavex and the CEO, David Nero, who is just doing a really, uh, really beautiful job there. Christy, what does the next five years look like for you? Um, look, I, I've, I've been at Johns Hopkins a little over four and a half years, and I, I'm, I think of it a little bit like a baseball game. So we're in the four, to me, we're in the middle of the fourth inning. We've come a long way. Um, I still think the game has a long way to go, uh, particularly given the fact that so much of our technology is in the life sciences and uh, spaces and even uh, even our high, higher tech stuff, um, these things take years to bake. This is not an overnight, this is not Dan, you and me deciding to write an app and it'll be ready by Friday. These things have a long time to develop and, and go through trials in the process. And so I, you know, I think what the next five years will bring is just that story playing out. All of these seeds that we've planted and the fertile ground that we're so diligently trying to sow I think we will start to see these companies that have raised money really get to critical mass, get to profitability, have some real substantial exits over the course of the next five years. That's, to me, I think that will be where the story goes. And, and I think we've got a lot of promise. Christy Weiskill, thanks so much for spending time with me today. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com.